RadioInfluence.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Live Bold and Boss Up. Guys, this week we have Lauren Prager on here. She is the Chief Strategy Officer over at Synapse Florida. Really impressive. I love how she's really built her career around community and cultivating personal connections. She always finds the kind of like bottom line connection between people, whether they disagree on different things or not. She always finds like a commonality to them. It's beautiful. Uh, Previous to this, she was in Washington, D.C., She was a lobbyist, an educator, community organizer, building bipartisan support for foreign policy issues, which is a mouthful. I I don't know how she finds time to do this because she has two children as well and and building a home and career and and life for her. It's it's really cool. So it's really fun to to talk with her and and connect with her. And we really hope you guys find value in this amazing episode. Um, Listen up. We will be live at Synapse as well of Bold and Boss up. So check us out there. Enjoy the combo. It was a pretty interesting to go from volunteer four years ago and um, this door to open into a career. I never, you know, it was not intentional. This was not a part of any sort of a plan, grand or otherwise, but I just knew that for me, it was important to get back into work and to explore something new. And I used this as an opportunity to um, to kind of, um, I don't know, uh, be curious and ask a lot of questions. I tell my girls all the time, Big Bird says that asking questions is a good way of finding <laughs> things out. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's cheeky, of course, and a little bit and a little silly, but it's, it's so true. And I think as a society, sometimes we feel embarrassed to ask questions right. like we should know it all. Just Google it right Right, or you know and and sometimes I find I learn better from others it's how you have a dialogue and ask follow-up questions and Mm -hmm. and understand what brought somebody into their area of expertise learn about their passions and that's a lot of what um for me makes communities and connections so valuable is just seeing what makes somebody feel excited and brings them joy you see it on their faces and so when you have opportunity to learn from them um and see that it makes the work really powerful and it doesn't feel like work and that's been a real gift so yeah so that's been exciting so I have no idea if I sent you my bio but I'd be happy to do so (laughs) that's where this all started and we'll kind of go from there no I love that it started off as a volunteer thing because it was something that you're passionate about and it just kind of like happens to turn into a career which I love that. Yeah. Um, you know, I had I had shared with friends that I was ready to transition from um, back into into working. When I had my first daughter, I was working um, a lot in a really intense job, which I loved. And then when um, we had an opportunity to move to Florida, my career that was really very policy focused and, and really very Washington focused wasn't something I could take with me. And so I used this as a moment to really focus on family, support my husband in building his career And um, I kind of got to a point where I realized that I would be a better mom if I had the opportunity to really um, focus on my own intellectual curiosity and make a contribution outside of my home in addition to inside of my home. And I could teach them um, in in a different sort of a way. And 
um, I just, I, I was really kind of true to myself in that moment. And when I put it into the universe and told friends that I was not sure what my career could look like, um, they said, well, I have a buddy who's planning an event. Um, and it's focused on innovation and business and technology, and he needs some help putting this event together. And I had had a lot of experience working in the policy world, putting together educational events for everywhere from 50 people to um, the largest one I ever assisted with, I think we had 20,000 people. So I kind of leveraged those experiences to help building out the first Synapse Summit. And through that, I really used my um, position as a novice and as I like to say, as a Luddite, you know, somebody who's not naturally technologically inclined to ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. and through that to really source the connections that were making this community thrive and grow. And I met these incredibly talented people passionate people who are brilliant and they weren't just dreamers they are the doers and you cannot help but be inspired when you see people following their passions and then finding ways to make it a reality and that was really to me the spark where I understood truly what innovation was and the community was so welcoming and it really embraced me and um it it was incredibly empowering so just by saying yes and you know this five to ten hour a week volunteer role that I quickly turned into like many many hours working nights working weekends hiring babysitters you know kind of asking friends and family to help me so that I could be present and a part of this and and they saw my passion and my colleagues and other volunteers at Synapse saw my passion and so when things worked out um, with our first event we ended up with over 3,000 people at Amelie Arena wow. and um, over 150 companies that came to exhibit and showcase their take on innovation. Um, it went very well. And so the team asked me to stay. And I said, well, I'll stay, but not as a volunteer. You're going <laughs> right. to have to pay me. Right. And um, and so here we are. And it's been an amazing journey since then. And again, not planned. And I know that's really hard for those of us who are planners and type A and like to know what the path is. But um Sometimes you just have to kind of keep an open mind and explore yourself. And right. that's been a lot of fun. There was that green light and you took it. You, yeah. You took that green yeah. light and then it turned into something, this amazing opportunity. And wow, 3,000 people for the very first summit. <laughs> like that's amazing. Yeah. And it's grown since then. And what I've come to realize, and I think especially now that we are about two years into this um, transformational moment in society with um, our pandemic, is that there really is no substitute for human connection and creating space for that to live and breathe and exist. Mm -hmm. And that's why I believe people came together five years ago for the first Synapse Summit and Amelie Arena, why we'll come together again in February, um, why we've been able to connect people because online connections are important and valuable, but there is a need to look somebody in the eye, to feel their energy, to allow conversations to evolve organically and um, to really kind of Um, experience what each other's passions and knowledge is. And so you can learn from that. And so creating space is a really, it's a really precious commodity. And um, those of us who are balancing lots of other responsibilities in our life have to be very, very intentional and selective about where we spend our time, our talent and our treasure. And so we're really proud that we can create a space where we feel like those things are put to good use and, um, and really valued and, um, and people can 
can be successful by participating in these opportunities. And it's been really, really rewarding. I think about that, um, that, that term a lot, because when you kind of distill what's most valuable and irreplaceable, um, those are those things. Time, for sure, number one. And we were speaking earlier about being, you know, working parents and um, whether you're a mom or a dad, um, you know, time is is the one thing nobody has ever figured out how to make more of. Mm-hmm. And so you must be really selective in how you use your time and who you give your time to. Right. So we really try to be intentional about making it worthwhile for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing we're working on now, or I'm working on now, is being present in the moment and just like right now sitting here talking to you, like really enjoying it and really being engrossed and allowing yourself to just get lost in the conversation and really enjoy it because you're right. You can't buy, get more time, make more time, buy more time. Right. So just really enjoying the time that you're spending with whomever you're spending it with is something I'm really trying to work on. That's real. That's really special. And I think that's also what creates authentic relationships. I find it so fascinating when you understand and read about kind of where we are in society and the um, epidemic of loneliness. And you'd think that because of these little devices, we shouldn't be so lonely, but we are. And I think that the more that we put these away and we actually do come together in shared spaces and shared experiences and look each other in the eye and be very present, we can create really authentic authentic and meaningful relationships, respect each other as people, even if we disagree on specifics Mm -hmm. and find the commonalities that bring us together. And that that's really the common thread for me and brings me a lot of joy. And uh, I try to put that back into the world through the work that I get to do and my role in, you know, as a, as a parent, um, and a friend and, and a a wife, a daughter, all the different, you know, hats that we all wear. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious. I feel like there's so many things I want to talk about. Um, But so I know you mentioned you were in policy before Mm -hmm. and then you made the complete change, moved down here, didn't really like know, I guess, what you wanted to do. I don't I don't know. And you can expand on that. But how did you get like what things did you learn from your policy background that you could put into this new like synapse and events planning? Like what what skills could you transfer over and and how did that help you? Um, So when I had a chance to work in and around Washington, it was really focused on building bipartisan consensus on policy issues. And that's an unusual place to be. (laughs) And when people think about Washington, D.C., and especially now these days with things being really divisive and really partisan. Um, And so it took me a while to understand and kind of that unique role, but bringing people together and finding the shared values is incredibly powerful and putting that positivity and good into the world, finding the, the, whatever it is, that thread that connects us, um, our desires to make the world better, to make, um, our society a more positive and welcoming and open place. I think that if we took the time to really talk to each other and listen, really, really listen to each other, we would discover that that is present in, in people's perspective. But sometimes we, um, we forget and we allow, I think, um, kind of, um, 
a social change to overtake our perspectives and we just don't breathe and give each other space and a little bit of grace. And um, and so my work in, in and around Washington for a really long time was dedicated to listening and finding those commonalities and then fostering them and really educating people and not from a place of you know disappointment. How could you not know this? But from a place of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's been really phenomenal about getting to know the innovation community. I am not a technologist. I can't, you know, write a line of code. And I didn't know what a venture capitalist was until, you know, a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, but I ask a lot of questions and I find that the common thread is we want to make our society a better place. And that is what an innovator does. An innovator is somebody who sees a need for improvement. They see an opportunity and they don't just think about it. They do it. They take action. And that to me is, is the key. You know, one of my mentors and, and a friend, Jeff Hoffman, says that ideas are um, valued, but execution is worshipped. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. Mm-hmm. And so the act of doing, you know, we were kind of joking before about, you know, setting up the space and how do we set this room up? And, you know, it, it doesn't matter. We're doing this and having these conversations. So the act of doing is really important. And so Right. To me, that's the common thread right. is, is working with people who are taking action to make the world the world that they want to see today and, um, and welcoming others in. And when you ask them questions about what drives them or the work that they're doing, they're so generous mm-hmm. with their time and their passions. It's right. what that just like me, I'm like going on, you know, and, and, um, and talking about the things that they love. So wow. just ask people. That's really right. the key. Just talk to people. I love that, right? Because every, like you said, everyone's a little scared to ask questions because you're, you think that you're expected to know everything, and you're not. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. I just heard. I think I was listening to um, TED Talks or something like that, and um, a lady was up on stage and she was chatting. I can't remember who it was, but she said something that made me stop for a minute and listen to her a little bit more intently than just like, do, you know, doing other things and having a Ted talk on or something like that. And she said, um, it takes five seconds when you think of a great idea. Cause the idea process is constantly ongoing in one's head, right? You're constantly getting ideas, but it only takes five seconds for you to realize you have an idea and five seconds to actually action on it before you mentally pull like an emergency break on it. So if you're thinking like, oh, that's a, that's a great idea. I need to, um, you know, email that person. If you don't email them right away or at least make a note to email them, your mind will like shut that idea off and it'll like throw it in the wastebasket. And then you just don't have that idea anymore. So if you have an idea and you want to action and you don't know how you have to just do something towards an action within five seconds of that idea, apparently. Yeah, I totally believe that. I um, I share that with my girls. I feel that myself all the time. And I often say to them, I, you can do it all, just not simultaneously. Right. You can do it all sequentially, right. not simultaneously. And there's this idea, finally, I think we realize that we cannot multitask effectively. Right. I mean, I can listen to a podcast and make dinner or take the dog for a walk or fold laundry, but there's a limit to which we can be productive when we have so many open tabs in our brains. Exactly. So it's okay. I, it's okay to stop and say, I can, I can do this one thing at a time and do it as best as I can in that moment. And let's lead on that. Let's make that our example in, in the work that we do in our families. It's really very powerful. And I think really freeing. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do it all. 
Right. right. That's right probably now. how we lose our keys in our phone because we're <laughs> multitasking, right? And right. Yeah. we think we're doing the laundry and making dinner and helping the kids out with their homework, but we're like losing stuff along the way because yeah. we're not there and present when we're putting down the phone and the keys we're like doing other things yeah right. yeah it's on true. a very simple level it's true just, it's yeah. it, but it applies in <laughs> it applies in work and in and in any part of life and it's really difficult it's something i strive for constantly you talked earlier about kind of being in a flow state of mind you know and and that's really hard to come by because of so many distractions good distractions but still distractions and so creating space is is again physical space or mental space is really so powerful. And I, I think the moment that we're in, there's finally um, an understanding of the importance of that um, of, of that value and, and a premium on it. Mm-hmm. And that's great. I think, you know, we should embrace that. Right. Talk to me about you finding your superpower because you mentioned that while we were chatting earlier, like finding <laughs> a superpower. And I thought that was really cool. Like you should you know, give yourself kudos and like find that superpower that you have, right? Like I think everybody has something that they're great at and I think acknowledging it and like sharing it is important because it just kind of like manifests itself into compounding results, right? I, I, I think so. I think it's okay. It's for each of us to kind of reflect on, again, you know, not just other people's passions, but our own. What are we good at? What do people seem to seek us out for? What gives us joy? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, um, it's it's listening to others and finding out what their passions are and, um, and hopefully giving them some energy to go out and accomplish whatever it is that they already were set to do. But it's been really interesting reflecting on my own path, um, you know, as an as an educator and um, a community organizer and um, working with people much older than me, younger than me, who have come to me and said, you know, I really care a lot about this, but I don't think I can do whatever it is I want to do to actualize and self-actualize on this particular goal of mine. And we just work together to kind of figure out what that is. So for me, I, I feel like it's it's being an active listener and then creating valuable connections mm-hmm. um, to opportunity, to others who have a sh- similar and shared passion and then allowing those relationships to flourish. You know, the value of those warm introductions that really reflects how you know somebody and another person and why they should connect, mm-hmm. that's really important. And I right. think that sometimes those connections can be really daunting to find, um, you know, and and it can feel really impersonal. So I, I love that. And I'm proud that that's something that I've been able to bring to, um, to my work and to my life. And um, I'm always looking to meet new people and figure out how I can be of service to them because it makes each of us and our society better. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so that, I think that's my superpower. I love that. I love that you said that because a superpower doesn't need to be something big and huge. Like, Invisibility. Right. (laughs) Listening is such a great one because, I mean, it sounds like such a simple thing to do, but really, like how many people really listen to you? Like, I feel like that's, that's a big one. And it can be something like asking the right questions or sometimes you feel like, oh, I don't have a superpower because I don't have this like big thing that I'm good at. But it can be something small, like paying attention to detail or, you know, little things like that. And then, that little thing can go a long way and make an impact in a lot of people's 
a lot of people's lives. Right. And so. and because I've, I value it a lot, I'm constantly trying to figure out how to do it better. Mm-hmm. And there are, for, for people who want to be present, be um, responsive, be engaged, um, there are just an amazing number of resources to listen to and read about and, um, and kind of push yourself, whatever it is that you're, the superpower you want to hone or that you have or want to develop, there is, there are resources to help you do that. And I think, you know, once I realized that that's something that I enjoy learning to do better and read about and then put into practice. And, um, you know, as a, as a mom with, with young girls, I have an opportunity to do that often and figure out how to be an active and supportive listener. And then, you know, as a professional also figuring out how to listen for, for the things that I want, um, to learn about, um, is really important, but you just have to keep striving to learn more, expose yourself to more and, and sharpen whatever the skills are that you want to develop. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it. a gift. Um, I know we talked about, and you mentioned your girls a couple times already. Um, so obviously you have two girls. I do. And, um, as a working mother, I feel like in this whole thing with being present and being there for your kids, like sometimes we feel a little, and not just mothers, fathers too, like as a parent in general, we feel a little like conflicted with working a full-time job or not being there for maybe every activity or picking them up at school, right at, you know, they, as soon as they get out. So tell us, I know you've mentioned this whenever we were talking before, but how does that make you a better mom being working in a full-time job tell us how you you juggle that or how that makes you a better mom being a full-time career woman yeah and and i you mentioned um dads too and and i want to take a moment before i i you know kind of share my own experiences but i think that oftentimes women are asked to kind of share how do we juggle it all and i think that men have as much of a challenge they have a challenge too you know and especially with two working parents and young children and and you know in an amazing way so many members of society have realized that men have a really important role to play in the in in family life and household life and they want to be present so i see the um the working dad's that um, I get a chance to interact with, they're they're really juggling a lot also and very present. And so I never want to kind of take away from that experience. And I'm only able to do this because I have an incredibly um, supportive spouse who sees that um, this brings me joy and it's um, a way for me to be a better person, a better mom. Um, and so, and I think once I finally realized that that's what I needed, my girls understood it too. It was hard at first because they were used to me being as available as they wanted me to be <laughs> and, you know, play dates at the park and things like that. But um, I'm very transparent with our team about, you know, family and what's going on and what we need. And obviously the pandemic has broken down a lot of those barriers mm-hmm. in a good way right. and um, and really helped us to connect in a, authentically with the, our colleagues and our mentors and our friends and that I think has made a huge difference. And, um, and I think, you know, my mom was stayed at home and I, I tell her all the time, it's the hardest job. I can't, I just, she did that. It was such a, such a gift for us. And I, um, I, I thankfully now my parents live close and so I'm able to have them as a really present part of our lives on a regular basis. But I think that sometimes, you know, we have to talk as a society about how important it is to have that balance. Not every person has, you know, the opportunities, the support that I'm fortunate to have. And we need to, we need to help each other out. Um, women contribute so much to the workforce, to society, but, um, you know, childcare is, um, 
um, woefully under-resourced, incredibly expensive, and difficult to come by. And I think that if we made those opportunities more available to families at every socioeconomic level, we would see society shift for the much better. And, you know, this transition in work and understanding how women in particular are leaving the workforce, are trying um, their hand at entrepreneurship, but are um, incredibly underfunded and under-resourced and underestimated mm-hmm. is, um, is an area where as a society we can step up. We have to step up and it'll start with us supporting each other, women supporting women, um, embracing and, and um, working with the men who see our value too, and um, and, and being more um, cognizant of those opportunities. So, you know, that's kind of how I, I've come to look at this. And um, I think it's a, a tremendous opportunity we have now as a society to move things forward very, very positively. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I feel like working makes me a better mom too and which is something that we don't normally talk about because it sounds like a faux pas maybe a little bit but I feel like it gives me the the patience and the ability Mm -hmm. to then be there for the kiddos and like okay I'm ready for I'm ready for those kid questions or those the kid time because I already had all this adult time right I, I agree. I agree. You are, um, each of us, we're complex people. We have our own um, different um, different things that interest and intrigue us and excite us. And that's important to honor that. And I think our kids respect that because they're complex people too. Right. And and let's share that and, um, and invite them to be a part of it. You know, when we yeah. talked and you were in the car with your kids yeah. and when I take phone calls with my kids in the car, you know, it's that's okay. This is how we're going to learn together right. um, and embrace kind of society. So I don't want to shy away from that. But I think that sometimes women still kind of feel like they need permission to be okay with this. So permission granted for whomever <laughs> needs permission. Hey, you know? Steph and I bring our kids into the office all the time. So they see us working. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're learning something right from that. Right. Yeah. So tell us changing yeah. topics, um, a little bit, tell us about synapse and, I'm excited this year that it's in person. Ash and I will be there. So I'm super excited about that. But for the listeners who don't know what Synapse is, like, tell us about it. Synapse is a nonprofit organization that exists to connect Florida's innovation talent. And we started this initiative five years ago because it was really just too difficult to find what you need or to share what you have. And for an, an innovator, connection and resources and information and access is essential to success. Nobody creates in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So you need to find the right partners and that's kind of the key, the right partners. And that's different for everybody. And so, um, we created this organization as a way to kind of, um, shrink the, um, expanse between our different industries or technologies or even the geographies across Florida Mm -hmm. and, um, and to kind of scale serendipity. So you weren't relying on, you know, hoping you went to the right event or right pitch night or, you know, trying to find the partner that you needed to build out whatever your your project would be. But by bringing everybody together and creating some um, organization to the communities, you can really kind of find those resources. And so what makes this especially unique and exciting is that we connect across different industries. 
industries and technologies. And when you come to Synapse Summit, again, in February at Amelie Arena, you'll see it's a lot of fun. I'm very excited. Very, very excited. Yeah. And this year it's in person. Last year we it was remote, right? Last year or was virtual. virtual. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it was really interesting when we hosted virtually for obvious reasons, um, we were still able to facilitate thousands of connections. Mm-hmm. And because of the nature of the community, people who have real intention and focus and curiosity and a, and a desire, um, we were able to kind of uh, monitor and, and and see that over um, 3,000 personal connections, conversations took place as a result of people participating in um, in the Synapse Summit virtually. And then we were able to bring in really interesting and dynamic speakers. We always do, but Damon John from Shark Tank and yeah. Mayor Francis Suarez, who has transformed the narrative around innovation in Miami and has really become a national leader on that front. Um, and a host of um, really talented, talented problem solvers and creators and doers uh, tackling a lot of huge issues and um, and bring them together, make them accessible and people could engage with them. And that's really special. So we're very glad to be back in person. And this will be our fifth annual Synapse Summit when we get together um, in just a couple of weeks. Awesome. Yeah. And tell us about the speaker this year, because that's always like the big <laughs> reveal. Yeah. 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 Well, so, you know, it's funny. Um, keynote speakers are something that people always ask about. But um, we we really are ex- excited for all of our speakers. You know, they're not all household names, but these are the people that are doing really important work on the ground, really transforming. And I use that word very intentionally. Um, society and um, in ways I think we still have yet to truly understand. And we're in a very unique moment um, when um, uh, we're, we're transitioning into a much more kind of decentralized world where I think being home, being able to be working remotely, engaging and doing so many things remotely has empowered people to connect outside of the traditional infrastructures. And so this world of some people, you know, know it as Web3 um, decentralized community, decentralized finance, the world of the metaverse, the world of NFTs, cryptocurrencies, blockchain technology is something that we're really going to, we've brought to the community for the last five years, um, bringing um, some of the leading experts in Florida who are building companies and understand this work because we want this to be a chance for education and access and asking your questions. And we'll continue to bring those perspectives onto our stages um, at this year's Synapse Summit. So Kathy Hackle is one of our keynote speakers. She is dubbed the godmother of the metaverse and is the chief metaverse officer and CEO of the Futures Group and uh, the Futures Intelligence Group. And for years, she's been evangelizing about the power of the metaverse, this transition into a space where we can be present virtually and engage with society in a very different sort of a way. And I think you've seen that really explode in the last year. Companies are now starting to lean in and creating their own virtual communities and virtual societies and businesses. And But I think for the vast majority of people, it still seems like something that is in out of a... 
of a movie. Yeah. 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 It really feels like it's still out of a movie. And so we've invited um, Kathy to come and speak on our main stage because we felt it was really important to demystify this entire new world and to give our community direct access to the people who understand it best and to the people who are building it. And that's also very cool. So when you come to Synapse Summit, you'll have a chance to do everything from um, mint and buy your first NFT, set up a crypto wallet, um, experience um, virtual and augmented reality through things like the Hado esports game. It's an augmented reality dodgeball, which is wild <laughs> oh. and a lot of fun. Yeah, it's really cool. So when I talk about hands-on, I'm literally talking about hands-on. So, um, you know, and then, you know, that's kind of the big topic of the moment, but it's important to not forget all of the innovations that are happening in our community around financial technologies and financial literacy, around health and wellness and human performance. And thankfully, the taboos that surrounded that have now seemed to have dissipated. And there's just amazing technology that's being built in our community um, that is helping to improve people's um, cognitive abilities, their physical abilities, and changing the way that we talk together about the health of physical and mental health of our society. We'll talk a lot about education. We'll talk a lot about um, uh, cybersecurity, which is just a booming um, uh, industry here in Tampa, but really across Florida with new companies that are moving in and companies that are homegrown that are becoming now global entities. Um, We'll talk about space. So, I mean, it's really dynamic and we bring all these different pieces of innovation together so that um, we can break out of our own silos and source inspiration and insight from listening to others. So lots, lots going on. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of like action yes on there mm-hmm. and we'll be there too doing live podcasts so i'm really awesome. excited to catch some of these innovators and stuff and just action on what they're doing and talk about that you know yeah a little bit more detail for sure yeah. and it's not too late for people to still get tickets and go not right? at all yeah so um uh, synapsesummit.com is the website and you can see our lineup of speakers and experts and uh, learn more about what the experience entails. Um, It's a really incredible and intense and fun day uh, at Amelie Arena. And we really emphasize that kind of fun component because nobody wants to go anywhere where it's drag. And um, and you really have to go in with that kind of attitude and opportunity um, to connect with talent, to connect with um, companies, uh, enterprise level companies and uh, growth stage companies and startup companies um, to find opportunities to learn about everything from investing to building your own business. How do you raise money? How do you bootstrap a company? I mean, there are people there who are doing it all. Um, We're really proud that we make um, the opportunity to connect to our military and veteran community possible through generous sponsorships um, that allow us to provide free tickets because these are some of our most talented citizens. They have um, built and led um, important entities and many times as they're transitioning from their careers in service to careers in civilian life, there's this real, there's a, like a, a 
chasm. Um, And so we want to help bridge that gap. And so we make this available so that men and women um, who've been in service, who are currently in service and considering their transition, or even military spouses who have a hard time sometimes getting their footing as they've been transitioning from place Mm -hmm. to place, can come and again, be a part of this community, see and learn about the opportunity and and understand how they can continue to build a career. Um, So, 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 so many aspects to the work that we do. Hey, no, I love what you're doing. I'm so excited for Synapse in just a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for being on the show, Lauren. You are such a great speaker, uh, very eloquent, and um, just your energy is just so great. So thank you so much for being on here. Thank you. I'm so excited um, after Synapse just to give a quick update to all of our, all of our listeners on that. Yes, please. Um, and... I I hope everyone enjoyed the show. Please rate, follow, subscribe. And until next time, live bold and boss up. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. I'm going to use this podcast to... I guess warn people because, you know, I was exposed to a situation this week, you know, on the Beckles and Retro show, which is on Monday through Friday, 95.3 WDAE. Uh, we had this young, a young lady, her name was Sydney Nacello, who was a soccer player for USF. She got drafted by Portland on the soccer team. She got drafted high and got drafted and then out, found out 10 minutes later that she was undrafted and then they cut her. Cut her. So when I heard about this story and Jay, my partner, uh, my co-host on the show, he said, well, she got she got ousted because of her tweet about transgenderism. So I looked at her tweet and I 100 percent agreed with her tweet. Her tweet, she retweeted something like, if you were born a man, you should not compete against women. Does anybody uh, would anybody say that's a false statement? Would you go on the other side of that? Okay, so I agree with her on that situation. Now, when we had her in the studio, just before we had her on, you know, our producer, Tom Ponzo, showed me a bunch of other retweets that she sent. Now, I'd only seen the one about the transgender. Then I saw a bunch of the other retweets that are talking about the insurrection, are talking about Biden, are talking about Trump, and and the ways that are scary for Somebody who is not far, okay? And this is what this whole, this is what I'm going to try to explain to everybody. Far one way is bad, okay? The far left and far right probably make up 40% of our population, okay? Both sides. I love everybody in the middle. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, just don't be far anything, okay? When you're far something, you're going to repel other people, and I hope you see that. You can find Ian Beckles' Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.